Yeah, the, the not being able to go anywhere yeah. or do anything. Yeah, this, A this lot of curbside pickup. <laughs> this is not the time for Tinder or Grinder, whatever you're into. Yeah, yeah really. <clears throat> I had a fun Tinder discussion the other night. Yeah? It was, it was so perfect picture. You still have the app on your phone? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Every now and then I get a... I get a somebody liked you, and then I and then I I'll click on the notification, and it's like to find out who liked you, get the premium. Yep. And I'm like, you bastards. So it's like there are 25 people who liked you. Find out who they are. I just remember. pay us. It's like, oh, that's just lovely. I remember so. I was on an online dating service that did that for a while too. It was like. It's like, somebody has sent you a like. Oh, okay. And then it's like, click here to respond. Okay. It's like, it's like please buy, get a paid membership for five ninety nine a month. Exactly. Like, Give me $5. Nope. I'll tell you who likes you. Yeah. I used to, you could play that in high school like, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, right? It's just, oh, man. No. So let On me. a side note, though, don't anybody use eHarmony. No. Period. eHarmony is no. the goddamn worst. Why, do, why, is, why, is, why are they so worst? Because it's expensive, it okay. really adds up. Um, are you are you paying you, per like? There, no. Like the way that you have to go through their process in order to quote meet people that you're supposed to be paired up with, which I also question the way that their algorithm pairs up people. Because yeah, I remember when I was on there, I was like looking at the person's personality profile. I'm like, this doesn't seem like somebody I would be matched up with but i'll give it a shot <laughs> i never got one date like out of hunting. it like it's like they have like this like fishes they have this like five-step process before they'll actually allow you to contact the person directly sure and then set up like an actual I, date, I, date i understand there's got to be some Which, some yeah. walls to get the keep, sure. keep the creepers down but then you know i would get to like step four out of five and then all of a sudden the person would just stop communicating <laughs> And oh, it's like, dude. okay, so I've spent all this time and effort for what? Nothing? I uh, I didn't even get the step uh, four. So to, I got a conversation, right? With, okay. Well, with, about stuff here. Hold on that conversation. Oh, Welcome shit. to Geek Shack number 533. I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Tinder K. That's <laughs> close enough to Tender K that I, I, I kind of <laughs> dig it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're here to talk Week and Geek. But first, I, first I want to hear this... T- Interesting. Yes. Ashley. I, Ashley. I, I'll say her name because God knows there are probably a probably thousand fake. of them on there. But um, It's a fake. Now, once again, keep in mind that my profile picture is the snarky Kirsten pic that I often have on my <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I you love know? snarky Kirsten pic. Yeah. So I get this, and, and she's, she's a babe. I swiped right because uh-huh. one of her pictures, she had tiger stripe camo yoga pants on. <laughs> tiger stripe, winner, I, winner, and I, and I don't mean tiger stripe like you know orange with black stripes. I mean like Vietnam War era oh. tiger stripe. Oh, gotcha. Oh yeah, I love that because I was picturing the other thing. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was too, to be fair. <laughs> so I, I swiped right because I was just like, that is cool, and I got a response. Right, and it's like, hey, handsome, how are you doing today? And I'm like, hey, beautiful, I love tiger stripe camo that's one pick made me swipe right lol i guess 
Yes, it's really nice to meet you on here. It is great to meet you here, too. There are so many fakes. Ugh. Yep. Oh, I'm so tired of hearing that. Uh-oh. Did I already screw up? LOL. Not really. Okay, I, okay I'm, miss, I'm missing who, who's okay. who at, in this point. Oh, really? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not differentiating well? Okay. G- give me a just, high just pitch. Say, just okay. say me okay. when the line is you. Give me, me. a high pitch for st- Tiger Stripe. Me. Uh-oh. Did I already screw up? LOL. Not really. I have to talk I have talked to seven men on here and they all say the same thing. I think the site isn't meant for me. Oh, what are you looking for? Anything, anyone in particular? I'm here because I've heard all sorts of things, wanted to check it out. I come and go. I not dated from here yet. How long have you been on here? Months? Weeks? Months. Lots of likes from girls looking for a, quote, a wealthy friend or, quote, special relationship, LOL. I think my profile pic makes me look rich. That, by the way, is what I meant by fakes. Oh, okay. What do you do for a living? Actor slash writer. A lot of work is dried up because of the lockdown. How about you? End of conversation. <laughs> That was about five days ago. <laughs> actor, writer. Boom. You, was, you said actor, writer, or she said I did. Oh, okay. She was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm an actor, writer. A lot of work's dried up in the past, you know. And that was it. That's it. That's it. Not looking for an actor, writer. She, she wants that special relationship <laughs> with a wealthy friend. So because yeah, anytime you say actor slash writer in LA, it means bartender, waiter. Yeah, exactly. So she's probably thinking along those lines. Uh, uh, she's probably thinking along the lines of broke ass motherfucker well, who's not going to pay my rent. Maybe. So, <laughs> it, it, but it was funny because it was like, yep, there you go. Tinder once again. Absolutely. So I, I just, I find it hilarious. <clears throat> At this point, I'm like, I don't even know if I'll ever get rid of it because every couple of months something comes up to make me laugh no oh, so a source you're on of it just for the entertainment value yeah well okay. you know so long as i'm not paying right i mean <laughs> i wouldn't mind some other entertainment value from it but <laughs> that apparently is not going to happen so well before we go into what we did uh, geeky this week i want to uh, remind people if you weren't on the shock monkeys layer that there is a gofundme for gaming mills Memorial. Thank you. So that is still available. So if you can contribute, um, please do so. Of course, we understand this is super tight times. So so if you can help, please do. I'm going to reshare that on the Shock Monkeys layer. Uh, And the Geek Shock Book Club, the discussions have opened up for Sex Criminals, Volume 1, One Weird Trick by Matt Fraction. Oh, yeah. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Um... (laughs) <laughs> lots of YouTube. <laughs> Lot, nothing wrong with lots of YouTube, especially yeah. these days. That's yeah, all right. right. Yeah, I got over my my food rabbit hole, and, and this week I was watching a lot of aviation videos and uh, lots of uh, half as interesting videos. It's a little quick, quick bites, like five six minute videos about some interesting topic that's pretty well researched, like um, you know. Uh, this island has the smallest population in the world, and why? And when a new island is formed, who gets to who gets to claim it, etc. Oh, wow. Just a lot of little interesting topics like that. Watched a couple of movies. Nothing really 
to write home about nah, on no, that one. Nothing really had jumped out at you. Yeah, I mean, I have a few that I've I've recorded and haven't watched yet because it just the the times that they were on, or I'd catch it like half hour into it, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch this from the beginning. So I'd record it like at a time that like while I was asleep or whatever. So, and I also keep forgetting that I have movies on demand, not only on uh, you know the streaming services, but through my cable service. <laughs> oh yes, like, yeah. Are, are you considering doing like a new release? rental um i don't the, the, know the 20 dollar. i you know it's funny like the ones that i want to see aren't out yet so right. i i would have to say it's going to depend on what that is what you don't want to rent bloodshot nope <laughs> i would uh, consider renting onward yeah i've heard enough about that it's that on I, disney plus already it, is it is it um, mm-hmm. is it free now if, if if you have disney plus yes oh okay um, so, well then never mind <laughs> Um, yeah, that, I got that, access. To I meant to mention that last week, and I totally forgot. Yeah, Onward is on Disney Plus. I haven't been there actually in a while. I should go there and see what they got up. They have a few things. Uh, like they dropped. I remember a few weeks ago we talked about they dropped Frozen too right into that. Uh-huh. Uh, after all, it had only been in the theaters for like a month or so, and uh, I remember on one of one of the geeky things we did, I had just seen um, Onward in the theater, and now it's on Disney Plus. So. Um, if you have not checked that out yet, I highly recommend it. Um, it's a Pixar film, so you know, obviously, so you know it's good. Yeah, exactly. But it's definitely right up your alley, Kirsten. It's it's whole set in a whole fantasy world thing mm-hmm. of yeah. you know elves that's, and unicorns, and yeah. um, but it's set like in a modern day where like you know they they've stepped away from magic because technology is just so much easier to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of one of the, the key story points, and that's what kind of sets them on their adventures. So, right, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, Chris Pratt and um, Tom Holland do a fantastic job playing off of each other. Um, you know, even though they probably weren't really recording much, I think they did say in an interview they recorded a little bit of their lines together in the studio at the same time, but most of the time it was separate. That's weird. I mean, for the second person. If, yeah. If like they recorded Todd stuff and then I was reacting to Todd stuff, that works for me. Sure. But to be I, the I, very first person to launch the yeah. and then have to respond in kind to mm. somebody feeding you back the yeah. line. That 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 yeah, that that's always You get that in auditions. Yeah. A lot. Where you have somebody behind the table, uh, everyone's watching you feeding you those lines. And and it's usually as somebody that's not an actor. They're not trying. Yeah. So they are not trying. To read the line. They are just reading the line, Todd. Yeah, and you so you have to be in that moment while the person you're playing against isn't. That's that's a yeah. that's a rough skill. Or the or or straight from script. I love like uh, Star Trek the animated series. Oh yeah. Apparently they all did that. They just they had the script and they just recorded their lines. It sounds yeah. so on disjointed. Set, and boy does it show. Yeah. yeah uh, I remember reading about that. Like they basically sent tape recorders yeah. to all of the cast. Sure. Had them record their lines. They put the cassette in the envelope and then send it right into yeah. filmation. And that, so that's yeah. a lot of their stuff yeah. was done that way back then. And and, and it's funny because you, when you listen to some of that, you can tell because oh, it's yeah. just like, oh my god, that is so disjointed that you know you don't feel any back and forth whatsoever. What is nice now, though, <laughs> with the, the way the technology is, is like you have nearly instant access to those recorded lines 
or the different versions because they they do several takes of each line and then figure out how they want to use it later yeah for the you know either for the animators or they'll have the previs animation they'll show it to the actors and say this is what we're thinking and then there then something might happen in the recording session that makes the animators change that but the fact that you can have the other person's lines right away and then go oh i know how i would respond to that right or or i mean yeah. now nowadays they had the technology where you could you could be all over the world but yep. if you're all in the in some kind of studio setup with with a sufficient engineering board you can all be working together right then and there i remember um a while back hearing a lot of like voice actors built like a, a small sound booth yeah. in their in their homes and with high speed connections they can record a majority of their lines or what right. they're thinking send them in the director director sends them feedback and right. then they can do some quick yeah. you know you know takes of the the same material and then send it back i know some people who are doing the voice school voice acting school mm -hmm. out here and uh, at some point, they all talk about their little home studio setup. Yeah. And they show like a closet layered with sound baffle blankets or something like that. So I think that's part of their curriculum. It's like, at some point, you have to make yourself a studio, uh, you know, grab any room in your home and derp -a derp -a derp you know, so they, they, they eventually do do that. Voice, you know, and I never want to discourage anybody that's interested in it, but I will tell you, voiceover work is really really difficult to get into mm. oh yes especially it is. In, in nowadays because you have only a few hundred people that do like the majority of the voiceover work sure and it's very difficult to get in because i had many yeah. people tell me in film school that i have a good voice and a good range and mimicking ability that i could do voiceover work for animation or stuff but not being an actor, I wouldn't know how to, to do animation stuff. But if it's scripted and it's like, say, for a commercial, it was easy to do. And I did on a few independent films. But trying to break into it is not as easy no, as everybody no, it's thinks. That's yeah, super tough. Uh, that audiobooks, any of that stuff. I'd almost say it's more difficult than auditioning for an actual part in some ways. Uh, because at least you have some... <laughs> Depends if it's a paid part or not, I guess. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, if you're looking to work for free, I'm sure you can find lots of work. And Absolutely. There's plenty of work. Just, you, just like in theater, there's plenty of free theater work out there. Right? There is. <laughs> just ask Biggs. <laughs> yeah, you know. <clears throat> ow. 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 Ooh, ow. <laughs> so, originally... Yes? Onward, before that? Yeah. Where, what the hell were we talking about? What Disney things Plus? did we do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> what voice, voice actors. Me? I? You know what? I got I to gotta work to remember shit. I did watch Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. Iron Fists and Kung Fu Kicks. On Netflix. And it's a little documentary about uh, Kung Fu movies. Little history of Kung Fu movies. Oh. So, it was kind of Was everybody Kung Fu fighting? Uh, pretty much. I would much. say most, by the, just much. by the title, I'm going to yeah. assume. Were their fists as fast as lightning? A couple. Uh, Bruce Lee's. Yeah, there was two, uh, two people. Was yeah. it a little bit frightening? Not really. Oh, okay. No, that was a funny I part. I bet they fought with expert timing, though. Uh, a lot this of them This is going to continue, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. At least we don't have Andy in the background going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It was interesting. It, it's, yeah. it starts, base, it talks about the Hong Kong uh, movie scene and 
talks about Peking opera and getting started uh, and the evolution of uh, kung fu movies. The real interesting part was the 70s where they talked about the American explosion and like uh, it's the connections between black exploitation movies and Hong Kong movies as well as there were a lot of rappers um, who were talking about uh, the, the kung fu movies and its effect on black culture like in New York City. And like, remember the breakdancing craze and how a lot of that yep. was inspired from kung fu movies came out of that as well as uh, the rappers themselves, which, of course, you know, they're Wu-Tang Clan, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Not to mention we wouldn't, wouldn't have had Jim Cotta as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun- funny, too, because they moved up into uh, the 80s, and uh, they talked about uh, the Shaw Brothers, Golden Harvest, uh, as well as then getting into Wu Ping and uh, Matrix, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and so on and so forth. So... It was actually very, it was very, very interesting. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it comprehensive. There was enough going on there. I mean, I know enough to know that there were things that they didn't really cover, but there were definitely things that I I didn't fully know about, like the whole black culture uh, uh, influence, um, being influenced by kung fu movies. And then they, they talk about how culture is now going back and influencing in the other direction. Uh, there's a, a Ugandan kung fu fight director who's doing like YouTube vids, really, really, really low budget uh, kung fu stuff in Uganda. And um, uh, they were talking about the appeal of kung fu movies to uh, poor people, marginalized people, stuff like that, which actually, actually had a real interesting take to it there's this one white guy who's like um i i i saw this youtube video of this this guy did in uganda and i was like that's pretty amazing and so i i got on a plane and i flew to africa and a 20-hour flight and i got to uganda and got on a little boat and went down the river and went up right up to his house which is in this poor neighborhood and you know, like the sewer, just running right down the street. And I walk up to his house and knock on the door. And I'm like, hey, I'm really, I wanted to talk to you about your kung fu movies. And, you know, he was typically Ugandan because he's just like, okay. And <laughs> and now, and this this white guy just sitting here <laughs> and, and this interview is like, and now I'm a kung fu star in Uganda. <laughs> and he like, he just started working with him and, he works with him producing the movies and stuff like that, and and they're, you know, they're they're soup. They were showing them, and yeah, they're they're like super super low budget. Sure, but they were saying that was one of the appeals of doing them because if you're not doing the wire wire work and all the fancy stuff, you could do, you know, you could do low budget as long as you got the skills. As long as you got the skills and you got your people trained, yeah, learning kung fu and stuff. So. The whole I know kung fu. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> talked about Matrix. They talked about it a lot. So, but it was it was it was very interesting. You know, going back to what you were saying about uh, dance being influenced by kung fu and martial arts, I find that interesting because, uh, like, today when you're casting for like a TV show or a movie, 
that's going to have martial arts in it. A lot of times the casting directors are looking for, for the leads and the stunt people to have a dance background because yeah. apparently it's so much easier to teach somebody with a dance background how to do uh, you know, uh, martial arts for the screen or stage than it is to teach somebody that has grown up with martial arts all their life because they're trained to, to make contact. You know, They're actually trained to fight fight, whereas right. you can teach somebody with a dance background essentially how to fake it. And one of the first Kung Fu stars they talked about was Cheng Pepe. Who mm-hmm. was talking about being a ballet dancer? Yeah, and, ballet is a huge one that they look yeah. for. Uh, Zhang Ji was also ballet, and I think uh, Michelle Yeoh uh, was. That also, wouldn't surprise me. Was a dancer as well. So. Great, graceful movements, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you want it to, you want it to be convincing, but you don't necessarily need to be able to do all of those insane moves. You only have right. to look like you can yeah, kick exactly. someone's ass. And, and, exactly. and they would talk about the evolution of styles, how they, they first treated it like almost uh, the Shaw Brothers, in fact, Hong Kong itself, uh, the Kung Fu movies came out of like musicals, mm-hmm. Hong Kong uh, musicals, romances, movies like that were very big. It was really weird because the comment, I don't know how substantial it is, was that way back... Uh, movies were for households. It's a very male-driven society, but it was for households. And the early kung fu movies that came out of like musicals and stuff had female stars because they didn't want their women in the audience getting all hot and bothered by by manly men. And that sort of came in later, you know, as as they started evolving the movies. And and all of that came out of the family like musicals and stuff like that, as well as Peking opera. So it was it was really interesting then tracing yeah, the evolution. The, the the Beijing Peking opera is really crazy if if anybody has not um ever taken the chance to learn about the history of that, because it's it's not like the opera we think about. Right. Like we're talking, you know, you know, the classic Italian or the opera, etc. It's very different. It's very physical. It's very almost in your face as far as like the, the costumes are crazy elaborate. There's mm-hmm. there's not a, I mean, there's singing, but there's not a lot of singing. A lot of times, it's a lot of music. And like you were saying, right. dance moves. And, and very, and very very physical and athletic. Yes, I mean, exactly. Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. as a child, grew up in the Peking Opera. And yeah. he was talking, it, it, the way he talked about it, it sounded like a Shaolin story. Because it was literally like you do the move wrong and whoosh, the rod comes across yeah. your back. So it, um, but it, it was it was actually very, very interesting. So definitely oh. recommend Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks. Nice. Although I do, when I did the the Keanu Reeves line, it may, always makes me think of that SNL uh, Jeopardy. <laughs> Dings in and goes, Keanu Reeves, I know Kung Fu. For the last time, no, you don't. Because <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, I've been watching some Lego Masters. You got into that. Oh, huh? I, it's fantastic. If you don't know what Lego Masters is, it's a elimination reality game show a lot, a lot like a lot of your cooking shows out there chopped ma- uh, master chef that same kind of thing except instead of building a dish you're building things out of lego and boy that is uh, some impressive skill in that show 
as far as Lego building goes. You know, I meant to start recording that just to check it out because I, I watched The Masked Singer, which is the lead-in to that show. Just I, I keep forgetting to go back and, and watch it's the worthwhile. prior episodes. Yeah. It's worthwhile. Uh, uh, Will Arnett. Well, yeah, Will uh, Arnett. Is, is, host, is hosting the show. Lego uh, Batman. But yeah, super entertaining throughout. Through, I mean, it's, it's the exact same style. So if you're put off by reality game show style, Mm. And Lego might not be enough to win you over. Yeah, mm. sometimes the the quote unquote staged drama can be a little much, but I'm always fascinated with the things that they can come up with if they're given a okay. Here's an idea of something to make. Now go do it. Sure, but there there are moments of absolute heartbreak when you're watching these things because they're given you know. But depending what they're trying, they're having them do like ten to sixteen hours to build what that ever asked of them, and then move their piece over to join all the others because it's, it's yeah all individual pieces are creating one large piece and something in there wasn't built sturdily enough and breaks on the way on transport and it's absolutely heartrending to watch when that happens but it's worthwhile for all, all the builds and the star wars episode particularly if you just want to check one out it's worthwhile just to see the star wars that's one. the one i especially had meant to record and i failed miserably I mean, it's on demand, but I got to watch the goddamn commercials. Uh, also been playing a lot of Terraforming Mars. Oh, yeah? Uh, Terraforming Mars is a board game uh, that I've been kind of screwing around the edges of actually getting the physical board game for a while now. But they made a digital version, and it was on sale on Steam a couple of weeks back. And so I finally turned that out. And that's a fantastic board game. It has a fantastic solo component, but a great multiplayer component. It is a European-style engine builder. If uh, you're not familiar with that board game mechanic, uh, there is a central board, but you are kind of playing your own game in front of you, and everybody else is playing their own game, trying to min-max uh, resources to be the one that gets the most victory points on the center board. Uh, that's kind of a, the way a lot of European games are, whereas uh, American board games are very in-your-face and very competitive upfront elimination, that sort of thing. Uh, European board games, for the most part, tend to be uh, you are playing a sub-board game adjunct in front of you, and everybody has their own version of it, and either cars or dice or varying meeples. When I'm saying engine... You're, you're basically at cards that do plus this resource minus these, this resource, literally building an engine of cards and dice rolls. Oh, okay. Although this game doesn't have any dice. But uh, the digital version that is out there is excellent. I've gotten to the point of almost addiction with it. Crazy. Uh, whether it's playing the, uh, the multiplayer version, uh, which you can do against AI if you'd rather, or the solo play mode, which I have not won yet, and I keep trying it. It's just plain fun. And of course, the whole idea is that you are a corporation trying to terraform Mars the most so that you have a stronger stake in the planet when it's all done. And nice. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun that. And uh oh. Barry invited me onto his Minecraft server this week. Uh oh. He does not know what he did, does he? Oh, it's it's fine. It is yeah. absolutely fine. <laughs> oh. here, here's here's the issue. Oh. It's a here's giant the, penis. Here's the issue. Now again, no one out there is making penises except for Paul. Uh, okay. That's that's Paul's thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I am not going to put a penis on the server, and and he warned me up front. He he threw that at me too with the penis <laughs> thing. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I have nephews that are playing on this server. I'm like, that's not me. 
that's Paul. I, I'm I'm the person that will create a, a a chicken cloning engine way up in the sky that you can't see that slowly pours chickens over your base. Sure. I remember when you did that. You showed me, and I'm like, it's like it's so far up in the sky, you would never find it. It's like so tiny, like you would literally have to fly all the way up into the atmosphere. Oh, it, it's scary because you, you have to create the brick by brick yeah. thing going up, jumping up each one, and then when you're up there building it, you're like one false move and you're dead because it's survival. It's not we're not doing creative here, so if, it, death is an option. Now, now, do these chickens fly? Yeah, well, they no, they fl- fall. They float slowly as yeah. they oh. flap their wings. So they're chickens. As God is my witness, I thought chickens could fly. <laughs> so, so I built a perpetual machine that would uh, uh, lay a bunch of eggs. I had chickens just for that, and then those eggs would then hatch, and then would be pushed out, and then they would float until his base was covered in hundreds of chickens. <laughs> Fuck you, Bristow! And and chickens are very annoying because they cluck, cluck a lot. <laughs> Uh, although I, I will say uh, he had gave the first salvo. I was hoping he wouldn't find me. I, so I went from spawn and I went way out. But no, he's a goddamn administrator, so he can give he himself can godlike you. powers and like transport right to transport to players. So he, he can find <laughs> me anytime he wants. It sucks. <laughs> my, how the tables have turned. Yeah, really. I never abused that shit. I earned my shit. But no, no. No, Barry's going to... So so he covered my entire little starting area, which it's very humble. I just built a little cave into a mountain, just trying to build up things because I earned my shit, Barry. And, you know, he just pops in there and then just starts placing signs, just has the word butts all over it. <laughs> And, and I'm not talking like five or six. I'm talking, you know, 20, 30 signs uh, in my base, outside of my base. And he's labeled things like I had a, a, a away from keyboard fishing machine. Wait, 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 that wait, I wait. Built. You're bearing the lead here. So so what you're saying is all your base are belong to butts? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So so he's labeled my machine uh, a butt machine and, and the boat butt boat and butt crops. And and butt butt sheep for my farm. Oh, nice. And butt mine at the base of my mine, and he's at the top of the mountain, way at the top of my mountain. That I and that's that's a tall mountain, butt mountain sign <laughs> that says butt mountain. So yeah, so yeah, Barry first salvo straight off. So oh my god! Actually, before we get further, I I looked over and saw your Kirkland box there, Kirsten. I just discovered over the last week. That Costco has a huge fucking cult-like following. I had no idea. But what, what really? do you mean cult-like? Cult-like, like people that are, lose their freaking minds about going to shop at Costco. Like they're so like excited. highlight of their month. Yes, yes. I had no idea because I mean I just figured it was a Midwest thing when I was back home and my dad got a Costco membership. You know, Costco's we, nice. We we had Sam's Club for years, but like you know, we went to Costco one day and. And my dad, you know, went out with people that I knew back there. And they're like, yeah, my dad and I went to Costco today. And my father's like, oh, my God, you went to Costco? And they're just like, start going on about all of this 
crazy th- stuff. And I'm like, it's a freaking warehouse club. It's not that exciting. But there's videos all over YouTube about this. Of, of what's in oh, a Costco Todd, video. How did you miss this, uh, Mr. Per- King of YouTube? I'm still going to miss it. This does not sound interesting <laughs> at all to me, but I do have to know what on I, earth is in these I YouTube videos. I just found videos. it fascinating. Like they, they go through and they're like talking about what the great deals are and you know, things you have to buy and, and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, we go to Costco like two or three times a week. And when you go, you got to buy this. No, <laughs> gross. And I'm just like, absolutely gross. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? What did I stumble into? This, this, weir- this is great. This weird consumerism this temple. I, I, just, oh my I just had God. no idea because it's not like that at Sam's Club. It's just like you go, you shop. And it's got you the word club in it. the title. No one gives a shit about the signature company's shit. All right. It's about yeah. Kirkland, man. There you Kirkland. go. You would be surprised. Mm. Kirkland is brought up a lot in those videos. <laughs> of course they are. It's it's, it's the, the generic I thing. Just, I just, I'm just saying I was amazed that that's the thing. I mean, I guess anything can have a cult-like following, but sure, wow. I, I get it. I just, I, I, I was not expecting that. That's, uh, that's great. That's, that's neat. Jeff actually found a YouTube phenomenon. That is bizarre, yeah. and you have never heard of. And I'm fine without that knowledge. <laughs> no, you should be fine. It's 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 not something to be proud of. <laughs> In fact, oh uh, man, you know, I mean, I I only watched a couple of videos. I didn't get into my normal thing. Um, thing but i actually discovered there is a term for like when you start watching something and keep going okay and keep going it's called the sunk cost fallacy oh oh yeah oh where it's like even if you're you don't like the thing that you're watching if you're invested enough like you want to see how things end or you want to see more of why do people do what they're doing uh but i i always knew there had to be a, a, a name for it i just couldn't figure sure, it out. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew plenty of people like that who are like that about movies that are awful. I've, I've done that with it's TV like, series. Yeah, why why'd you finish it? And it's like, well, I started the movie, so I, I had paid to my fin- money, so I'm gonna see all the movie. Especially yeah. when it's like a if it's like a TV series and I start watching it, and it starts off okay, but then it starts getting bad, and you're like, I should really stop watching this, but now I want to know how it ends. And maybe it'll end on a positive note, maybe it doesn't, but you've you've put so much cost into this thing that you're you you've sunk so much of your time and effort into right. it and uh yeah i mean i i can't even begin to tell you the number of tv shows that I, or you know tv series that i've fallen into sure. where it's like it's like god damn it i hate that they keep doing this or you know i hate that they do this but lost was one of those i watched lost uh, all the way through to the end even though oof. two or three seasons from the end of the series i knew that it felt like it was not going to pay off, like, you know, falling through the end. But I had invested so much of my time into it. Interestingly enough, there was a, a RoboCop TV series many, many years ago that was literally just horrible. Okay. The first couple episodes were pretty good, and then then it just, like, the, the quality just really kind of went to shit. But I kept watching it, even though I'm telling myself the whole time, this is terrible. Why are you still watching this? And I could not answer that question. Uh, book readers know what you feel like, Jeff. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, just I bought the book. Came across that this last week since the last show, and uh, uh, you know, it just it popped into my head just now. I watched a video of a guy playing piano for elephants. Yeah, well, that sounds entertaining to me. I'll, I'll watch that. They 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 like the music. Yeah, yeah, good. Do it's, they dance? 
It's so funny uh, too. The the older elephants yeah. tend to like the the more classical, yeah. slower music. Sure. But the younger ones will get into the get really excited with the the faster. Yeah. Kind of jazzy or ragtimey stuff. It's actually hilarious. And they, they actually do. They, you see them. They're standing there and they're bobbing their heads or their trunks are going. They'll, be, they'll literally be looking at the guy over his shoulder while he's playing. And one of them actually will start, bam, bam, on the keyboard with oh. its trunk. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, this is the shit. Yeah, what you're doing. I want a part oh, of this. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's fucking hilarious. They actually like the music. Why'd you have to talk about piano videos, Kirsten? That's another rabbit hole I went down. I love wow. I, I love I watching people play piano. Sure. I know why. I mean, I've always liked the piano. My mom used to play piano and uh. she played beautifully. She used to play in church and other social settings and so forth. And I took lessons and, you know, still kick myself for, for not finishing or right. not continuing with that. Yeah. But Me too. yeah, I keep coming across these videos that have either the piano is the featured instrument or it's one of the featured instruments, you know, with others and just beautiful. And just the, the talent of some of these performers, you're watching their fingers just glide across right. the keyboard and you're like, how can somebody play that many notes that quickly? Practice. Even with practice. Because I mean, you more know, more practice. I, yeah, more I practice. was in orchestra. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I watch... I I will cruise around looking for people playing Hungarian Rhapsody, mm. any Rachmaninoff. Uh, there's there's this one really cool. Uh, uh, his name, I think it's Sergi uh, Lugansky. He's a Russian pianist. I say pianist. I'm I'm not going to say pianist. pianist? I, God, I hate that pianist and flautist. It's like <laughs> get over your fucking self. <laughs> But he uh, he plays uh, uh, music. Oh shit! I can't remember the. It's a it's a very fast short Rachmaninoff like musical minor. Oh fuck! I've totally forgotten the title. But it's fast and furious. It's one of the it's one of the hardest piano pieces to play, and he bangs it out, and it is smooth and uh, uh, just amazingly powerful. Um, you know, so stuff like that, or like I'll look for people playing uh, Claire de Lune, because I always like to see how they do the trill, where they're doing the basically the water. I call it the water riff. It's oh. the it's the the ripple of the keys that sounds like water flowing. It's always cool to find someone who really like uh, Van Cliburn, p- great pianist uh, from the mid twentieth century. He was incredibly smooth doing that. Uh, or I'll look for uh, Art Tatum and Ragtime. Here's one you'll appreciate, Todd. I got to see a couple of videos of Jim Steinman playing oh, piano. Yeah. Amazing writer for Meatloaf and Celine Dion, which is another interesting thing, him playing songs, like clips of songs that Celine Dion performed, but that he'd originally written for Meatloaf. Sure, that and then, is awesome. And it's like, it's like, well, I originally wrote it for, you know, Meet, but you know, Celine performed it, and then eventually later on, he did perform it, you know, you know, and live in concert stuff. But it's like you're just looking at the different vocal styles between yeah. these two artists, and you're That's like, hilarious. you can always, you can, but you, but you can always tell you a Steinman song. song. Yeah, you know a Steinman song, you hear it. Total eclipse of the heart. Yeah. Uh, 
Air Supply, Making Love Out of Nothing at all. All meatloaf songs. Because <laughs> that's his style, it's meatloaf songs. That's meatloaf funny. songs are its own style, and that's Jim's style. And, and, and that's really funny, too, because when you think about meatloaf, you, you, the publicity really doesn't go there. But then you start, you, you, you dig into the music, and you're like, oh, okay. I think the one that sticks out for me is the uh, uh, the Celine performance of "It's All Coming Back to Me Now." Yeah, is the one that you remember, and then you hear the Meatloaf. I'm not even gonna say cover, but his version of it. Sure, and it's it's the same goddamn song. It's the same piano and everything, but the vocal styles are so different. It's almost like a completely different song. Yeah, all together. Sure. But it's the it's same because it's yeah. it's, Stein, it's a yeah. Steinman song. It's Steinman, and the piano is just amazing. Anyway. And, and, and before I mention Rush, yeah. let, let's just <laughs> let's once again point out we're we're going deep into music, and Andy isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we do it because Andy's not know, here, well, just know, to just to get he, to get he, it stuck he, in his craw. He's he's not here to derail our hard rocking sure. talk with this delightful Jonathan Colton <laughs> or this this absolutely adorable uh, Paul and, and Storm. Um, oh, yes, yes. You know, so. Uh, oh, you know, you know who else is uh, a really, really good piano? Uh, well, not necessarily piano, but really good musician. I am. It's me. <laughs> I'm so. I tell you what. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's, to, it's on my tuba. Of course, it's flight, flight of the bumblebee. Flight of the bumblebee oh on the tune is one of the most beautiful things you've ever heard. That has got to be on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, really. <laughs> too bad, too bad. We we've, we've been uh, Spotified because that would be a great closer for us. Um, oh God, musical moment. That was it. Uh, Rachmaninoff's musical moment. Uh, yes, and it it is it is a furiously fast and powerful. Uh, piano piece and it just uh, this guy uh, Lugansky uh, just really knocks it out of the park um, uh, I'm watching more of Kingdom which ah. is the uh, Korean period piece court intrigue that happens to have a whole bunch of zombies uh, TV show it's in second season now wow Canadian Brass The Flight of the Tuba Bee yeah, there you go. Canadian that, Brass. That sounds right. Starring me. <laughs> I get around. It was, like, it was like the first thing I came up with was like trumpet, trombone. Ah, oh, there's tuba. Yep. There oh, is a video of it. Actually, a few a, of them. That's funny. Flight of the Bumblebee for tuba. And <laughs> Rim, Rimsky Chorus Chorus I've had a Rimsky. It was fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> She charged me double, but was worth it. Um, Speaking of... She was, she was a flutie. That was a perfect segue. <laughs> I don't say flautist either. That sounds dumb. I flooties. Know. They're all flooties. <laughs> Not to be confused with floozy. Sometimes it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anything else, gentlemen? No, I think we've um, gone insane enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much it's the same as last week. Otherwise, uh, you know, D and D videos, history videos, yeah. you know, whatever. Lots else of reading. Lots uh, of reading. John Oliver. Yep. Um, you know, popping up again and uh, ah, fuck, I forgot to watch that last night. God damn it, Jeff! Uh, now you'll yeah. never be able to, Jeff. I'm well, so sorry. No, it's on the DVR. <laughs> 
I told you I got I got hooked into mine uh, mm-hmm. uh, mine hunter. Hey, how's the TV working, by the way? Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah. You sure? You hesitated there. You went uh. uh. I'm I'm noticing that it got burned in pretty good, and I think it's fallout, but I don't want to say <laughs> for sure. Oh wow! Because <laughs> I know how much Andy, how much time Andy was putting into it. He so. puts in a lot. So he burned in fallout, huh? It's wow. it's 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 very minor, unless it's a bright like white screen. It's not noticeable. It's funny because when I got it. Channel 8 News mm. was burned in in the lower right corner. So it may be that his fallout has burned out the Channel, the channel 8, 8 News logo. Yeah, That's, any, yeah, he... But I mean, overall, it, yeah, it works fine. It's, he, it's great. He played he played hours every day. He was just, yeah. All right, well, before we go into the show, let's uh, do a little mail. Okay. Um, guess, guess who this is from. Hey, fuckers! Uh, hmm. Greeting, greetings, my fellow plague dogs. How are you guys enjoying playing Stephen King's The Stand of the Home game? <laughs> <laughs> I never got into tabletop gaming, but I must say you guys are taking this to the next level. Hmm. I haven't even gotten the dreams. I haven't even gotten the dreams. And you guys moved to Vegas before Not So Captain Trips was even released. That's true. But as we are awaiting our visions of Mother Abigail or Randall Flagg, I got to thinking, hey, that movie was filmed there along with the remake, I hope. In fact, I think a couple of films were filmed there. So, ever dealt with a TV or movie production that just ruined your whole way of life? Let's hear some stories. Remember, all those who fall prey upon my gaze are safe from corona, except Matt. Fuck Canada. The Lair's favorite voyeur, Jake. So well, did, I... did you have any kind of production that interrupted your life? No. I, I, not, not a sp- I, I worked. Mm. Yeah. A couple productions as background, so you know, but nothing that came in and, and shut down your way of life. We can't, you can't do X or you can't go to Y because right filming. No, no. no but then again, I, mean, I I don't do much on the strip, so I I really wouldn't you know I wouldn't care. Uh, I mean, there have been a few times when I've been to L.A. Where I've had to route around where I would have you know the most direct route to where I'm going because of filming. Because you know they'll shut down a street to do whatever. Oh, actually, there was one that that comes to mind is uh, I've done the VIP tour at Universal a couple of times. Okay. Because I really want to. You get to get out and like walk around the back lot in. So it's like the tram places. ride, but yeah. you stop and get out yes. and are able to touch things. Yes. Both times, the courthouse set was shut down or the courthouse backlot area was shut down which is where they they shot the the clock tower scene from back to the future the last time i was that's jeff's uh kirkland right there that's yeah yeah (laughs) the last time i was there though we were just doing the normal tram tour i didn't do the vip and uh we went around the corner for the the quote-unquote hill valley set because it was somewhat returned to the, the hill valley look and Sure enough, as we're going around the corner, I see VI people getting out, taking their picture on the step, the stairs of the city hall, and and uh, in all around that area. And I'm just like, God damn it! <laughs> if I'd have done the VIP today, I could have done that. That's funny. Now I want to, I want to make a movie in L.A. Every movie I ever make, I want to have one scene on that set. So 
and I want people to be taking pictures and wandering around. Just so you can send them to me to make me a, a Yeah, just so you can go through the tour, <laughs> and you can see people wandering around taking pictures, and you're like, oh, shit, we're, it, it's open. And he's like, no, sir, sorry, they're filming something. And you're like, oh. <laughs> so, by the way, guys, let me interject real quick. We, we, we got a mild admonishment here on uh, oh on, yeah oh well yeah. I, I take your just desserts gentlemen what you got uh well this is on the uh, five person podcast uh text thread where we discuss are we doing the podcast that's, oh that's you me jeff andy and matt yes and uh, where, where i where i send out the call right. times to everybody what time we're meeting although for the past few weeks you've been sending it out on the four person text thread which I created so that we wouldn't get bogged down by Andy's hysterical observations whenever we talked about doing the show. So this is really kind of directed to me. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, Andy texts, hey, is there a podcast this week? Am I out of the message loop? I texted yes. back. We're doing it. Yes to both questions. And the answer he gives is cool. I know all I can really do from out here is tell you all to break a leg. But I still love being on the loop. Aww. Sure, I'm not going to dinner. Well, I guess nobody is. But I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> Aww, that's sweet and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so I we bet I don't know if we want to tell him about the Rolling Smoke barbecue dinner we had. You oh, just Je did. Jeff bought us oh, all barbecue. Shit. Dinner. Jeff bought us barbecue dinner. Yeah, he. Oh shit, we just mentioned yeah, that too. Yeah, hey, Jeff brought us all. He's like, anybody's gonna be here. I'm bringing. Yeah. The best barbecue in town. He stopped by a homeless person, asked him to cough all over it. Yeah. And uh, we're all set. That's the secret spicing. Yeah, very spicy. Boy, that sausage was spicy. Oh, it's so good. It's funny. I was eating that, and it was just like. Man, I it was, whenever I the hit the regular sauce, you thought was spicy. No, the sausage. Oh, the hot the, sausage, yeah, the hot links. The hot yeah. links, because uh, my mom literally would go into an asthmatic attack if you hit her mouth with spice. Okay, that mm. hot link, she would have, and she literally would have been out of it for like forty-five minutes choking. So uh, I'm sitting here eating this, thinking, boy, if mom was here, I'd, I'd have to shout out, Ma, do not touch. My hot links, because those pup. Well, you know, anyone's for that matter. <laughs> well, if you don't want your hot links, I'll eat them. Uh, I I, fall, I finished them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, you know, hey so, Andy, hi, hi, Andy, we talked music again. We, we 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 still love you. We miss you. Yeah, they they miss you, Andy. Have fun at the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they miss you, Andy. Wow, Kirsten. Well, I mean, he's not burning Fallout into this TV, so. Well, LCDs typically don't burn in. Oh yeah, well, good. If there's a way to burn in an LCD, Andy will, Andy will it find out. it. <laughs> uh, it'll be you know the good place or something. I don't know if it's exactly what he's. It, it's it's actually not at all what Jake was talking about, but uh, <laughs> I I do hate in. TV shows and movies where they'll have like a an aerial view of a city and they'll put the city's name up and it's clearly not that city because uh, yeah I remember one time it's they always had Toronto a, yeah but they had like um, it was like an aerial view of what I think was supposed to be Kansas City and it was not at all Kansas City <laughs> I was like yeah that's not downtown Kansas City well what 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 was that cop show that set out here again. 
CSI? Yeah. Yeah. CSI. Oh, God. That and, was one of the worst offenders. And they, they would put, yeah, they'd show a, a, a John Hughesian two-story house with a green lawn, a white picket fence, and say, Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm like, you don't even have to be from Vegas to know that isn't Vegas. Where the what the fuck is that all about? My favorite my favorite is when they would like cherry pick street names. It's like, oh, it's at the corner of this street and that street, and I'm like, those streets run parallel right. to each it's other. It's at the corner of Flamingo and Sahara. Because I swear to God, they said something like it was. It's the corner of Durango and Jones, and I'm like, <laughs> those two roads run parallel to each other. And That's and great. oh, and my favorite one was um, not if you've taken enough acid. The, <laughs> in one of the later seasons, um, where they were they were talking about, uh, they were tracing somebody's phone, and I'm like, this, uh, it's it's all the way off of uh, two fifteen in like Durango. And they're like, well, there's nothing out there, and I'm like, there's a wow. lot of shit right out there. Wow, when was that made? Uh, I, I remember but, when but, there I mean, was it, nothing out there. Well, yeah, but. Maybe that was the way it was when Zucker was out here attending <laughs> UNLV. Yeah, really. But at that particular time, there was like a strip mall and like several businesses. This is the longest. It's funny because this is the longest I've been anywhere in my life. Uh, but I did spend the first 12 years of my life in my hometown on uh, Long Island. Now, granted, we're, Long Island? we're asking me to remember... The first few years of my life as a baby, but I, I, I don't recall change the way I do out here. I came out, you know, in in the early '90s when Vegas was going through its 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 current explosion, and the change is just absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, well, that's you that's know. kind of the way it was with a lot of longer established cities. They don't really change much. There's yeah. Not, not much you can change I'm without not, tearing things down. Yeah, and, really. It, and like yeah. when you even think about tearing down something, even if it's you know old and a decrepit, and you know it's it's literally just falling to pieces. Like or, or it's you're, like no, you can't tear that down. That's part of our heritage. You're you're, like, you're adding stuff. Like yeah. I, I spent five years, almost six years in Chicago. I'll, I'll go to websites or things about Chicago today, like the Bean. You know that sculpture? Yeah. It's this silvery cloud sculpture thing yep. called the Bean. That's that's post when I was out there in Chicago, so I know nothing about that. But I, I see that, and it's really funny because everyone talks about this Chicago landmark now, but then everything around it is the same. I know exactly where it is because I've been there. I just have never seen that. And so it's like Chicago hasn't changed, you know, that much at all, really. Wichita's like that. You go out there and it's like you could you could go three or four years without going back there to visit, even though I, I go more often because yeah. family lives there, but it just doesn't change. Right. You know, 40-plus years that I've been going to and from, nothing. It's just, I mean, there's some new things on the edges of town that's – furthest away from the center east and west sides of town but other than that it's same I'm, old city <laughs> i'm getting the opinion uh, the feeling that the area of connecticut western massachusetts that andy's father in is about as rednecky as new england can be <laughs> for what that's worth and it, it's really funny because andy will cruise around and he'll Post things about cool nature landmarks. You mean or something. The, the Tom Brady list, you know, <laughs> Massachusetts. Yeah, but then 
he'll actually just go into, oh, God, there's just nothing out here. There's no, People are just... There's derpy tombstones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's just funny to... Did, for him to veer into that, he'll just be like, ah, this lake, and oh, look at these trees, and oh, the culture, not there, <laughs> it's just, uh it's funny. So there you go, Jake. Not really. Not You yeah. know what? You know what's more disturbing to life is the, those fucking marathons. You're right. That's ma- much more disruptive. That, that yeah. marathon fucking destroys everything because yes, they close down sections of the strip. Now they got multiple marathons a year now. Shoot, yeah. any road closures out here. Sure. Like, it's suddenly, you know, it's like you go from three lanes each direction to suddenly down to one lane. All the lane. precautions you have to take yep. New Year's Eve. Oh, And, God, of course, yeah. you're working New Year's Eve. Now, lately... Like places like uh, Ka will actually, they, they finally fucking learned and they stopped doing shows. You know, they would, they would not do anything past nine. But even at nine o'clock. The, the strip closes down at six. Yeah, yeah, you have to park at somewhere else because you're not going to be able to exit by the normal route. If you park in employee parking, you, they might not even let you out of employing parking at a, at a certain point at night. New Year's Eve is a super fucking nightmare. Oh, yeah. I, I despise New Year's Eve in Las Vegas, at least working it. Yeah. So yeah, other, otherwise I, I worked background on, you know, like bigger things would be like, City Slickers 2. Ah, yes. Which was a, a funny, it was a Siegfried and Roy show that they, 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 we spent two, two nights, nearly 20 hours of filming, and they didn't use jack shit, <clears throat> which was hilarious. That's the life of extra work. Yeah, really. There's a but, lot of stuff that gets shot out here that yeah. doesn't make it to the screen. I know, right? They, they, I, I, and how much money do they, because you know, they pay the show yeah. to do their show. They pay them for their time. It's probably lost uh, revenue because the show can't actually be in performance. So they may pay out that. They mm-hmm. pay the the stars, you know, and all that stuff in addition to pay extras to be the audience. And then then you get virtually nothing. And it just it blows my mind because you're right. It, it happens often. Uh, one of a friend that I've lost touch with was in Ocean's Eleven, and they were shooting at the Bellagio. George Clooney and Brad Pitt stop in front of the slot machine that she's sitting at. They're having dialogue in front of her while she's playing the slots, and I remember her describing that to me. And then when I watched the film, it's a, it's them walking by, but they keep going, so it's a completely different shot right. than what she had described. So, yeah, lots of stuff like that yeah. happens. I did um, a thing in ca- um, Casino where I was a waiter at a at a restaurant that S- Sharon Stone, uh, were, and I actually, like, served her, her table, and everything like that. Nada ixne bupkis. Uh, Lisa that we used to work with at, at Trek, she was in an episode of Stargate Atlantis, mm-hmm. and I remember she said that she spent several hours there, and they did a lot of filming in this suite at Planet Hollywood, and then the actual episode hits, and you only see her for like a split second. Yeah. So I thought it's, that was kind of interesting. It's amazing. You think there's going to be a whole lot of shit going on? Oh, yeah. My favorite was this uh, kung fu straight. Back in those days, we called it straight the cable. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was this uh, guy kung fu thing, and he was starting up, and, and uh, uh, it was audience at a strip club. 
And so I watched this girl with triple D's strip for about five hours. <laughs> that That's probably about as exciting did, as it got. Did you bring a book? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. For, yeah, for you, the in-between takes? If you watch the scene, you'll see me. You'll see the guy with the book in the background reading while everyone else is going, <laughs> All right, everybody take 30 while we change the camera setup. Yeah. How about some news you don't give a shit about? I'll bet I do. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm supposed to go, ah, It does help Jeff. with my audio find, absolutely. Oh, boy. News you don't give a shit about? The Electronic Entertainment Expo will not happen this year. What? Uh, this comes uh-huh. from a statement by the ESA, which confirmed that no online event would replace the canceled industry convention in June. Uh, E3 has been running yearly since 1995. Quote, Given the disruption brought by the COVID-19 pandemic, we will not be presenting an online E3 2020 event in June, the statement reads. Instead, we'll be working with exhibitors to promote and showcase individual company announcements, including on WWE3Expo.com in the upcoming months. We look forward to bringing our industry and community together in 2021 for a reimagined E3 that will highlight new offerings and thrill our audiences, unquote. Woohoo! In past years, E3 was an industry-only convention aimed at media and insiders, but in 2017, it opened up to the general public. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, uh, I, of course, didn't expect E3 to go through, but I expected there to be an online component yeah, to something. it. something. I mean, you could do... I mean, I know like Microsoft, Sony have all of their own shows sure. separate from E3, which majority of which you could do online, and they probably will, but that's kind of disappointing that you have a lot of these smaller vendors or smaller publishers that have stuff they really need to promote, Sure, and they're not going to be able to. Um, that's it. It's, uh, I, I forget who it was, Nerdist, Geek Tyrant, or something like that, uh, posted April... This is the first month in decades that there are absolutely no conventions happening. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. News you don't give a shit about the 2001 Nicole Kidman starring Alejandro Amabar helmed hit The Others. (laughs) That was a mouthful. I had a lot of adjectives in it, it too, leading up to the mouthful. That's as I was was practicing, I was doing my mouth exercises (laughs) for that one. The Others has a remake in the works. Ascension Entertainment snapped up the remake rights to the critical and box office hit about a haunted house. It will be a modern remake of the film. The original was set in 1945. Quote, I am honored to be able to work on my favorite horror film of all time, The Others, and to bring this reimagining to the big screen for new audiences, said producer Renee Tapp. It's almost eerie and uncanny how timely the themes are today. Self-isolation, paranoia, and fear. And, of course, the intense desire to protect our children and ourselves from harm. We look forward to unraveling the layers behind lead character Grace, whose pain and demons draw viewers into a truly compassionate journey. So, the others getting a remake. Um, Interesting? All right. I mean, the others is very good. It's a very good horror movie Fun twists and turns that aren't exactly yeah, surprising. Aren't exactly surprising, but well made. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a who's out there clamoring for a remake, right? For the others, because it's it is one of those films that does what it does really well. The atmosphere's right. The acting is there. It's it's good. I mean, go for it. 
get uh, see what you can improve upon. Maybe maybe the a modern setting is okay. Sure. I, yeah, Part of what I makes it so interesting is that it's a period piece. There's just so many movies that are getting remakes that it's like, why would you want to mess with that? I mean, if it was a f- complete flop, but the idea may have been sound, I can kind of get that. Well, it's not even that. But it, they do, they take really good, well-made, successful films and then remake them. Well, well that's the answer, Jeff. It's a re- it's a successful film. The success can be repeated yeah. by people who recognize yeah, it. You can't explain remakes creatively. Yeah. No one is going to remake Buck Rubanzai because it didn't do well. Yeah. So, and, but that's the weird thing about the others is because it wasn't a box office smash. It did fine. Well, it has its audience and its fans, but it, I don't think it's a name that is going to bring people to out to watch it. I mean, Robocop didn't do well. Yeah. That's a big name. Right. But that's the reason it was made, remade because Robocop, everyone loves Robocop. Let's make a new Robocop. But who's doing that for the others? I mean, I good know. luck. I, mean, I wonder how inexpensive many, to make. I wonder how many of these are <clears throat> like vanity projects. You're literally talking about people in Hollywood who have got access or contacts to enough money for them to actually just go ahead and remake something because they love it and would like to do their own version of it. And there really isn't much to, you know. Yeah. I mean, I will say there are certain movies from the late 80s and, and the 90s, and I'll say most of the 90s, <laughs> that are so much a product of their time that they're not a timeless film and could be easily remade. Sure. Yeah, they might have been a really good film at that time, but then you go try to watch them today and you look back and you're like, this has not aged well. Yeah, of course. So those I don't have as much of an issue with, but... The others just doesn't seem like that was... We're also at that age where it's yeah, like it could a, be. a movie made in 2000 is getting remade, and we're like, why Why do that now? That, <laughs> that's so soon. That's so soon. You know, yeah. and it's like, no, no, it didn't. That's like a remake in, the, in 1980 when we were kids from a 1960s movie, and, and for yeah. us, that's totally fucking new. So we're just getting old. That's all it is. Well, I mean, News you're getting too old to hear about. <laughs> I, I do feel like time moves a lot faster now that I'm in my 40s and soon to be late 40s than it did when I was in my 20s and oh, 30s. Oh, sure. And I'm sure it just keeps getting faster probably the older does. you get, right? It's, it's just whizzing right along. That's Remember the, that? That's what the old people say. Remember <laughs> that? When you, when you just got out of school and you were like, Ah, uh, you know now what? And that, that I got a whole summer to fill. All, yeah. th- all three, oh two and a half, God, three months. This is just gonna, yeah. Because it did feel like it took me forever to get to age twenty-one, but then everything after that. I mean, sure, like my entire thirties, I don't remember much of because it flew by so quickly. Yeah, it's about responsibilities and freedom, man. I Your guess. responsibilities take up the time, and the freedom takes up the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. you don't have either one as a kid. Yeah, it's true. Let's do some Weekend Geek! <laughs> I miss you, Andy. I miss you so much. So much, Andy. Andy, come, Andy, come home. Andy, please come home. Andy, I thought we were being polite because I saw you jotting Andy, down 
time time come stamps and stuff, and I was like, come home. That's when come you're supposed home, to fill the home. time Uh-oh. with with the sound. Oh, we were being respectful, Todd. Yes, yes. Everyone, be quiet while I write something <laughs> down because we need to hear that part of it. We <laughs> <laughs> get geek scribble scribble fucking scribble. Christ. <laughs> We were being respectful because <laughs> you you were laying your thoughts down on paper. <laughs> little little panel of Todd writing with the with the descriptor <laughs> right right. So that's right. what I get for, le- for he gets for letting me run the show because I remember when I'm trying to write down yeah. the the timestamps for when we hit and everything's going on and oh. I'm like overwhelmed because I'm like I got to adjust this level I got to adjust this level I can't Andy's too loud Kirsten's too quiet uh what time oh shit what time well, did I we never start even this? ran the board so that's why but I was I, like I, oh yeah I, I thought I, you know, I was no longer given the script because I'm like I, write, I never wrote times be down quiet for a second let him write shit. down the timestamp but no apparently <laughs> that's the opposite of what he wants <laughs> be quiet so I can write down the numbers I'm looking at <laughs> it does not invoke the sense of confidence that you have in me. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, quiet. He needs to write down numbers. Yeah, really. He needs to concentrate. He'll fuck it up. <laughs> 10, 1, 38, 4, 2, 7. God damn it. Jesus. Wow, I don't think I've ever seen Kit just pass out on the floor like that. Oh, is he out? Yeah. yeah. He's just curled up. Yep. Why the silence? Is he writing something down? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think we struck a nerve, uh, Jeff. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should go in the other room and let, let, him, I know. let him be alone. Let's let him, let, let's let him have some quiet time. <laughs> Torgo's Quiet Time. Brought to you by Geek Shop. <laughs> Uh, anyway. <laughs> Let's see what's going on in the week of geeking. Uh, streaming service Apple TV Plus has decided to make a handful of its original programming available for free without a subscription through the Apple TV app for a limited time. Uh, this offering includes a few genre options M. Night Shyamalan's Twisty Horror Servant and Spacefaring Alt History for All Mankind. Uh, these shows have welcomed critical acclaim, both of which are already working on future seasons as well. Uh, these shows are available for free to watch right now. So if you can get, get the Apple Plus app, whatever. Android. I, I, I assume it's not just on Apple. I assume you can get it on Android. It's. I don't know if it is on Android. I don't think it is, but I'll check. Oh, fuck. Because I, I actually I did want to see For All Mankind. Because I can't see Apple turning down an opportunity to bring in subscriptions. There's got to be. I could see a. I could see a. Yeah, but see, Apple would do that. Fight. Now you're right. Over. Jeff. We don't want to give them a reason to not get Apple. Yeah, you're you're, you're both right. There there is. That's the only company I can think of that'll be like, no, nah, we don't need more streaming services if it's not on our product. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, AMC has ordered two eight-episode seasons of Pantheon an hour-long animated drama series based on the sci-fi stories of Ken Liu. Liu's short tales of the future and are said to focus on, quote, uploaded intelligence and human consciousness uploaded into the cloud, unquote. The visual aesthetic of the project is characterized as a fresh take on graphic realism done in traditional 2D way using modern tools, whatever that means. 
Uh, Season one will focus on Maddie, a bullied teen who is contacted by her late father, David, whose mind is now in the cloud. David's resurgence as an uploaded intelligence signals the start of a, quote, global conspiracy that threatens to trigger a new world war, unquote. Pantheon is an entertaining and evocative series about personal relationships and what happens to them when the boundary of life is removed from the human condition, said AMC Network's president, Sarah Bartnett, in a statement. And we're looking to push other boundaries well, too, in making an animated drama that aims to be every bit as moving, immersive, and visceral as any premium live-action scripted series, unquote. Lou who has won Hugo, Nebula, and World Fantasy Awards, is on board as a consulting producer. Uh, Titmouse has been tapped to handle the unique animation. Lou's short story, Good Haunting, was adapted into an episode of Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. So that's uh, that sounds good. AMC. He's, cool. He's good. <clears throat> he also uh, he does, he does translating. He's uh, translated some of the Chinese works that they brought over from mainland China to the States uh, lately, including the uh, the Hugo Award-winning, uh, soon-to-be-adapted Three-Body Problem. Oh, fantastic. <clears throat> from Sixian Lu. Of course, we've uh, lost quite a few people this week, so I... Yeah. I, as much as I hate to bring up this sort of stuff right now, but I, I, everybody needs to be remembered in this regard. Uh, first off, we lost actor Malcolm Dixon. Uh, he was 66. Dixon had roles in some of the most well-known fantasy and science fiction movies in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was an Oompa Loompa in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He also had roles in movies such as the cult classic Flash Gordon, uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth, and Ron Howard's Willow. His two biggest movies were 1981's Time Bandits, directed by Terry Gilliam. He played Strutter. Uh, two years later, he played an Ewok warrior in Return of the Jedi. Uh, also, we lost Hillary Heath, an actress who co-starred with Vincent Price in the 1968 British-American cult horror hit Witchfinder General, mm. and also appeared in TV in The Avengers, The Prisoner, and Space 1999. Uh, we lost Dieter Laser, the actor who played the twisted surgeon Josef Heider oh, Jesus. in 2009's The Human Centipede. Yikes. He's died at the age of 78. Laser kicked off things as Hyder in the very first installment and would return to play a different character, Texas prison warden Bill Boss, in 2015's The Human Centipede 3. Yeah. And, of course, the really, really big one, the, the uh, Mort Drucker, the legendary cartoonist known for countless film and television parodies and who frequently contributed to Mad Magazine. Yeah. is 91. Mm-hmm. His work also appeared on magazine covers, album covers, movie posters, including the poster for George Lucas's breakthrough film, 1973's American Graffiti. Uh, Drucker also worked for national periodical publications before it became DC Comics and continued to freelance for DC even after working for MAD. Awards and honors that Drucker accumulated over his life include the National Cartoonist Society's Rubin Award uh, and the Will Eisner Hall of Fame Award and an honorary doctor of fine arts degree from the art institute of boston he <clears throat> you want to talk about iconic that oh that, yeah that's one of those you don't you don't need to know his name you probably won't even know his name but you will definitely you will definitely recognize his style when you see it it's just so iconic if, if it was a mad magazine parody of a movie yeah it was almost always mort drucker yeah just absolutely amazing, and what a what a life! I I was just I was stunned to 
find out he was still around, and then then to take in the whole history behind it and how long he'd been yeah. around and been trying. Just what a life. And this what is, a life. What to, a talent. you know, to be t- fully honest, this is one of those times where I'm sure Andy should be here to talk yeah. about because he, yeah. he knows a bit about him and has would ha- probably have things to say about I, it. I don't think Andy's heard of Mort Drucker. No, I'd, okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, you, you never know. And, but, you know, he was, I don't know if he was working right up to the point where he died, but as of Andy? like five years ago, <laughs> no, at Drucker, oh. uh, as of like five years ago, he was still drawing. Yeah. So I don't know if he worked all the way up until he passed or if he tapered Who, off Andy? towards the end. No, not Andy. <laughs> Nobody cares about Andy's artwork, all right? God damn it. Oh, shit. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. What? Andy just doubled over in pain. He doesn't even know why. I love your shit, Andy. I appreciate it. I'm just kidding, Andy. I got this stuff on my wall, so yeah. you know, I'm safe. I'm covered. Uh, Jeff. Come back soon, Andy. What? Uh, would you think Todd will get mad if we ask for a moment of silence? Uh, maybe. Okay. Well, I am not writing down anything. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Rebellion and Penguin Random House have teamed up for a series of audiobook adaptations based on Britain's 2000 AD comics. The deal involves audiobook versions of five 2000 AD graphic novels. Each will feature multi-voice narration, sound design, and original music to bring the stories to life, says the press release. Uh, Rebellion is the UK's leading comic book publisher and home to Hugo and Nebula award-winning fiction from our Solaris and Abaddon imprints. And such were delighted to partner with Penguin's forward-looking audio team, said Ben Smith, Rebellion's head of film, TV, and publishing. Their appetite to bring both our fiction and our landmark graphic novels to the audiobook market is extremely exciting, and we can't wait for the public to listen to the incredible stories in the works. So at 2000 AD, isn't that the home of Judge Dredd, if I remember? Yeah, I'm I'm like audiobooks of comics, so... Are the the are the, these aren't like the remember the 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 record read-alongs that we would get like of Marvel <laughs> right. or oh, yeah. you know you put on the record and you're reading the comma as it's going so it, I don't think that's what I, this I, is I think this is more in the line of audio dramas uh, translated yeah. to okay they, they've done plenty of those uh, there's in fact there's some podcasts like on Stitcher has uh, Marvel audio really? dramas yeah wow you'd know if you listen to the Geek Shock. Oh, I was, I was loved I, when you had the. Uh, I never. The the <laughs> books that were a um, version of the movie and had the little, uh, the yeah. little vinyl record that went with it. Mm-hmm. But the voice cast was completely different. Oh than boy, the people in the movie, and you're like, uh, Darth Vader sounds a little weird. Right. Or that's not Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually had the one where they they took it from the movie. Oh yeah. So one. it it was kind of weird because it's it's just like a. 20 minute version of the movie with sound clips and you're flipping through the pages and on the one hand it's kind of cool but on the other hand it's, it's not the reader's digest version whole movie yeah but at least you get that nice little bing or it's probably a laser blast to know when to turn the page yep. <laughs> the creative team behind the night house is joining spyglass media's reboot of hellraiser Director David Bruckner, who did VHS and Southbound, will command a script from Ben Collins and uh, Luke P. 
Piotrowski. Yeah. Based upon David S. Goyer's story, The Night House, about a woman stuck in a haunted house after her husband's death, recently premiered at Sundance. I'm glad to see movement on the Hellraiser reboot. Very, very, you haven't heard any movement on that in a while. Yeah. So that that's one that could definitely reboot. Glad to reboot. Happy to reboot Hellraiser. Please do. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, because it can... Because Why? Hellraiser sh- shit the bed after two. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what we're saying. There, Hellraiser is ripe for a lot of great exploration. Okay. And the first two movies, especially that second movie, kind of fleshed out exploring that world a little bit. Mm. Uh, written by David Ayers, a uh, friend of Clive Barker's. The third one is still watchable, and they're inventing new Cenobites just to invent new Cenobites. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, maybe to sell toys at that point. What? What? Knows? What? And and four and was the last one that went to the theaters and barely and that's the Alan Smithy film that everyone knows oh, themselves yeah. from Whoa. it. Uh, but then all the ones from that and I mean all of them I think there might have been one that isn't were other scripts that got turned into Hellraiser oh, movies that they they slapped yeah some, I remember that they slapped some pinhead in it somewhere and said it's a Hellraiser movie now and that was never intended to be so there's no world building happening it's just uh, we have an option and if we don't make a Hellraiser movie uh, we'll lose it so let's just put that on this police detective <laughs> script mom always said life was like a box of chocolates we have such sights to show you <laughs> Uh, speaking of reboots, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot mm-hmm. is available on Amazon Prime Video. If you have a Prime membership, it's free. Oh, wonderful! Ooh, um, so it's free. Yeah, because you know my Prime membership and getting me jacked for free on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, you go sure. on there and everything is like, oh yeah, just log on to Amazon so you can rent this for three ninety nine. It's like yeah. motherfucker. But yeah, it's a, it's in the included with Prime category. So if you never got a chance mm-hmm. to see it. Oh, in the road show, yeah. or you didn't want to pay the was it twenty bucks it, for a while there? It was like twenty dollars just to watch it on streaming. Uh, but yeah, it's, well, it's, it's now from the comfort of your own home. Yeah, but okay. Anyway, it's uh, it's worth checking out if you if you like. You watched Jay- it? Yeah, I saw, right. I saw it back in end of February, I think. Oh, you paid twenty bucks for it? Uh, no, I had a free movie rental with. Uh, Google Play um, movies and video. and oh, Jesus, how much does and, he uh, do that he gets free rentals and shit? Just every now and then they send me special offers and I just, I redeemed it and I watched that. Wow. But it's only good for like one viewing. Like once you've watched it, it's it's done. You so. know what? I bet you CBS All Access put out the word. Yeah. Jeff forgets. Ooh, I got to remember <laughs> to cancel that now that you're talking about it. <laughs> I, I used the free the free Picard offer, but it's going to expire. There you go. That's it. He's on a list. It's like, this guy forgets. Send him free shit because he forgets. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. If you like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, you'll like this. It's uh, it's not exactly the same because that was like one of the things that I was afraid of. It was going to be just the exact same movie over. It has new things to say and new things to do. It- that, Even though it does start off like you're looking like okay, it's just an it's just a rehash of all the same old right. stuff. I I I remember Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I love the movie. It was so funny though because it's for me uh, Smith's best movie is still Chasing Amy, but 
But Strikes I'm, Back yeah. had enough. I'm a big fan of Dogma. That's yeah. Mallrats. I think for me is my favorite Kevin Smith film because uh-huh. I was probably what you would call a mall rat. I mean, my buddies and I used sure. to hang out at the mall sure. because we'd go to the arcade. We'd right. walk around. Kids. Oh, I, I I I loved my summers in the U.S. when I was a teenager because yeah, my friend, I, I got the whole mall culture. In, in, you know, like two or three months. In the mall <clears throat> I used to go to, we had a movie theater in there. So we could, you know, we could go to the arcade. You yeah. know, my, my mom would drop us off. We'd go, you know, walk around, look at, sh- you know, stuff, window shop. We'd be we'd, there forever. Yeah, yeah you, you could spend an entire day there and not really do much, but, you know, play some video games and maybe go see a movie. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there was things, it was a, a thing to do. So, but, uh, uh, yeah, anyway. But Strikes Back, I just liked because uh, the little bits and pieces in it and the absurdity of it. Well, the, the whole thing is absurd. And yeah. it, and that's what makes it so entertaining is because the conceit is they even know, like all the people making the film except for the Jay and Silent Bob characters know that this whole thing is absurd, but they still you know go along right. with it anyway. And you know, it, yeah, and and then and then like running into Carrie Fisher, yes, Mark Hamill as Cockknocker, <laughs> George it, Carlin, yes. When, it, it, when he came out as Cockknocker, I lost my <laughs> shit. Why do they call you Cockknocker? Actually, that's a pretty funny story. Oh, <laughs> 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 just punches him in the jug. That was awesome. Oh yeah, but yeah, there's there's a lot of cam- just like the the original. There's a lot of cameos in this too. Okay, and, cool. And most of them are pretty damn fun. Good. Okay. So, All right. All right. I'm so excited for this next news. Uh-oh. This is uh, oh, so good. Tom Doherty Associates, TDA, president and publisher Fritz Foy announced the creation of Nightfire, a new horror imprint that will join Tor, Forge, Tortine, and Starscape, and Tor.com Publishing. Uh, Foy will be publisher and TDA will add dedicated staff in editorial as well as supplemental staff. Under the Nightfire imprint, editors will acquire and publish across the breadth of the genre, from short story collections to novellas and novels, from standalone works to series, from dark fantasy to the supernatural, from originals to reprints of lost modern classics. In addition to publishing books across all formats, print, audio, and ebook, reprints, uh, Nightfire's releases will also include podcasts, graphic novels, and other media. Of the new imprint, Foy remarked, quote, there is a renaissance in the progress of all things horror. There is a new generation of horror fans who are getting who are setting weekend genre box office records, who are binge streaming episodic TV, subscribing weekly chat and drama based podcasts and purchasing more graphic novels. More importantly, they are a new literary voice we want to bring to our reading communities and followers. And also because we just plain love horror, unquote. The first publication is planned for early 2021. Cool. I am so excited to see a big publisher get behind horror in a big way. I'll bet it's you been are. a long time. Yeah. The last one I knew that uh, had any kind of significance was Leisure Horror, and they went out of business in the early aughts. Yeah, I remember you really liked that. Oh, I, I subscribed serious. to their book club. Yeah. For, they'd ship me two books a month. I remember when you did. You're like, I've never subscribed to a book club in my life, and this is the first one I'm actually excited about. Oh, it's fantastic. But not only that, this is a big company. This is Tor. Yeah. yeah Forge. I mean, they, this this is where you go for fantasy literature. Yes. So s- that kind of clout behind a horror imprint, I could not be more excited. 
Yeah. Because horror right now kind of exists in the small press yeah. for the most part. It's interesting. So you you, you would never think that. Yeah. You never think that, right? You you go right to right to Stephen King, sure, or something like that, and you think, well, obviously somebody's big doing it, but um, yeah, it's it's not it's not a, a an imprint like like you're saying here. Yeah, it's so weird too, because like horror books are popular, but it's almost like the bigger publishers don't think they are. Sure, and, and so that, they don't want to take a chance right. on it. I mean, it's it's its own niche thing, but it's a solid niche. Because I mean, it seems like the like the ones that I see, as far as like the ones the major publishers are putting out all the times, is like James Patterson books sure. or uh, Tom Clancy novels. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that will like, and that will always over, outsell it without a doubt. So like those, but those are the ones I see a lot of. Like, of course, because those two big names, but also books. In that same vein, if you like yeah. Tom Clancy, you'll like blah blah blah. If you like James Patterson's blah blah blah, sure. you you should read this. Yeah, disposable action thrillers. Yeah, through. exactly. Political intrigue. Yeah, it's, it's a people people love that genre and it sells very very it, well. Yeah, and so that's why most companies want to make those kind of things because they sell. You want to sell things that sell well. They sell really well to old white people. Yes, that's that's true. It, that's really what it is. Yep. My, my my stepfather does not miss a Patterson book. Every single Patterson book, as soon as it comes out, he loves Patterson like I used to love Leisure Horror. Because <laughs> Patterson is a uh, what's his is big, multiple authors. What's his big character? Uh, um, Patterson's most famous character. Uh, no, I don't know. But they, they they made like two movies based off the character, and I can't Probably. think of... What is Patterson? What is it? What's the genre? He writes uh, a lot of mystery. No, not so much mystery, but more action thrillers and political thrillers. Right. Um, okay. Uh, he he has a bevy of authors that write under his name, and he signs his name to it. <laughs> so that's why you get Alex so many. Cross. That's the one I was that's, trying to think uh, of. That's why you get so many Patterson books. Like You get a new right, one every month. Right, okay. Like no one, very few can write that fast. That's interesting. Because Morgan Freeman played the character. Yes, yes. In, uh, I know exactly it, who you're Kiss talking about. Kiss the Girls, right? I think was mm-hmm. the name of the film. Yeah. Yeah. That so makes, okay. That's the, Those are fun genres. But yeah, they tend to be old white people genres, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of like the techno thriller. It, uh, I'm reading, I, I mentioned before, I'm reading uh, Lee Child's uh, first Jack Reacher novel, which uh, yeah. it's funny because uh, it, it's definitely a first novel. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm reading the growing pains and I'm, you know, we'll see as time goes on if they put other novels of his on sale and I buy them. Because right now I, I still, I still wince at the idea of paying 10 bucks for for a uh, a non-physical I'll pay, I'll I'll drop 9.99 for a, a paperback if I really want to read it. Sure. But a a Kindle it still still makes me uncomfortable. I and it's funny, I'll drop $10 in a night if I go on a spin and I'm picking up pulp anthologies or this guy's uh you know four novels in one book and shit like that, I'll do that. But for one book uh, I can't. I can't do it just yet. And this is my obligatory moment to remind everybody that if you do use an e-reader or electronic version to read, uh, contact your local library because you can probably get those books for free. <laughs> God, yeah. every time I talk about paying for electronic books, you get this smirk on your face. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't uh, mind. I'm going to have to do it at some point, Jeff, just so he can stop smirking. I, yeah. I'm like you. I don't mind 
buying them if it's like a you know like a sale for two or three dollars but like yeah. when you start getting in that ten twelve dollar range and it's it's kind of an for me it's irrational because like i think the fear is that they could yank it at any point i don't from like my that. candle i don't like even that. though they very rarely do that anymore i right. know that there was a big furor over it a while back because yes. like a couple of titles got yanked and then if they found out it was at the request of the publisher and but you know but that, still they they don't do it and as i think often that, that's anymore. bullshit anyway yeah Download Caliber ebook management. It's a fantastic software that allows you to uh, put ebooks that you buy elsewhere onto your Kindle, for example, because there's a right. lot of publishers out there that, especially small press, that sell the books themselves as d digital downloads. And it's a very simple, easy to use way to get those books onto your uh, Kindle or other e-reader. Uh, and there's also a way you can use that to strip digital right management for actual downloading of your own books, and you'll never lose them. <sighs> Todd, you bought the book. It's yours. Todd, I'm not for piracy in any regard, especially <laughs> yeah. when it comes to books. But if you I, buy I not, it, you I should did, be able to keep it. Yes, yeah. that is exactly. I it. agree. No, so, I agree. So, I, so yeah, protect your investment. Strip the DRM and just download it and have it forever. I'm I'm against piracy, but I'm also against whimsical control. And yes. like the idea of you can buy this from me, but you know what? If I get a burr up my ass, I'll take it away from you. Yeah. And I, I think that that's terribly wrong. I'm also against piracy, but at the same time, in an unrelated kind of tangent, if your shit ain't out there. Ah, yes. Uh, don't complain about piracy. Uh, but, you know. Yeah, there's no way for you to buy a book that's. Yeah, it's kind of shitty. Yeah, it's and, and you know because I know s there are some people who will l like say uh, the, the Jerry Lewis clown Holocaust film, right? Ah, yes. He totally suppressed that, and it's sort of like if that had gotten out, you know, and then he like went back to suppress it or something like that. I would be like, you know what? That's really fucking tough, dude. Come on. Yeah. Just, just you know, and I, I would not get in a twist about piracy about that because it's like I'm against suppression yes. as much as I am against about denying somebody their their financial due. Absolutely. Just like I have no problem with abandonware. Uh, games like from the 80s and right, 90s, right, which right, right. you can't get anymore, that are not made anymore. There's no way of buying them anymore. They're not on GOG or Steam or any of these other downloadable yeah. things. And I don't see an issue that if nobody is using that IP or especially yes yeah yeah, yeah. that and that's a game that it's almost a museum piece at this point right I mean I, if now if somebody makes that available it's like okay uh, I have the rights to it and this is and now it's available on Gog balls or whatever. up and pay for it yeah exactly but if it's just abandoned um, yeah that's that's an even better example yeah. because that's. That's kind of like the more, even more than suppressed, that's the more prolific, uh, you know, bit of nonsense. Is, is it another uh, text from Andy? Is he yeah. crying about something else now? Uh, just saying he misses us. Oh. We miss you too, Andy. Yeah. Yes, Andy, we miss you. Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's, You're like Kit wanting to go out. It's interesting. It's, this is not exactly the same thing. Um, when I was in film school, um, for one of my classes, there was a book that my professor wanted us to use but the publisher wasn't producing the, any new copies anymore and it was next to impossible to find this book so he got permission from the publisher 
to photocopy that book for the entire class. The caveat was we were supposed to turn in all those photocopies at the end of the course, and they were supposed to shred those copies. <laughs> now, our professor said, I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to do, whether you actually do it or not at the end of the course. If you like the material in this book, that's on you. So, uh, yeah. I had, I some had people a, did that, I had but a couple I courses. kept mine. Yeah, I had a couple courses. We got spiral bounds from Kinko's yeah. of books that were uh, no longer being published, and the teacher just liked that particular book. And he's yep. like, I like teaching out of this book. And it sucks that there are, there are no more editions uh, of it. So he, was, he just fucking did it, and uh, I don't know, Kinko's on an academic ca- campus could be weird because sometimes they would, they would give freshmen shit about copying yeah. an article out of a dictionary, mm-hmm. which is fair use. Yep. But then they'll turn around and they'll produce 30 spiral browns of an entire text for a professor, of course. Yeah, this, this book was great, too, because it had like a lot of interviews with actors. So, you know, they're talking about projects that they were working on. So it was literally a piece of history. Yeah. And some of those interviews, I think, have kind of faded into obscurity. People don't know they're even out right. there anymore because this yeah. book isn't isn't published anymore. Yeah, no, that yeah, I, I've so got stuff no like that. There. I don't have any problem with you know owning a copy because if I could go buy it, like you said, I would absolutely go buy this because there's pictures in this book that I would love to have full color or you know full page either whether they're black and white or not. I can't tell because it's a it's it's a photocopy. But there's some pictures in this book that I would love to have the originals of, or at least the original published version of. Anyway, that's my soapbox. (laughs) Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and World's End director Edgar Wright has signed on to helm Set My Heart to Five, a feature film based on the upcoming novel by the same name about a robot learning to love through the power of retro movies. That sounds like an Edgar Wright joint if I've ever heard one. Sure does. Uh, Wright will direct the script, written by novel author Simon Stevenson. The book is scheduled to be published later this year. The story, set in 2054, follows Jared, an android dentist who undergoes an emotional awakening after being struck by lightning, introduced by the film's introduced two films from the 80s and the 90s short circuit <laughs> yeah in fact it's it makes a reference to it in the ah the description uh, jared then embarks on a quest across america's west coast to meet the programmer that created him and convince humans that robots should be permitted to feel jared's also working on a screenplay he believes will change the world uh, Wright's next film the horror thriller late night in soho is scheduled to hit theaters on september 25th uh, this next one, I, I, I went and uh, delved into this one a little bit uh, because I love the idea so much. And I have to say, yeah, not bad. It's fun and worth a shot if you have Borderlands 3. Uh, Borderlands Science is a new in-game initiative for Borderlands 3, which benefits actual scientists who are studying the makeup and effects of the human gut. Uh, Gearbox, uh, Gearbox, well, must be that time of the show. No, I think you said it right. <laughs> Gearbox, At least yeah. as long as you're the CEO. <laughs> oh, Randy that Pitchford. guy. Uh, Gearbox is working with McGill University, the Microseta Initiative, and Massively Multiplayer Online Science to support research into the microbes present in the human body. 
uh, as I said, the gut. Uh, quote, by mapping these microbes, Gearbox says, the hope is that scientists will be able to better understand these ecosystems, which may help guide future research into novel treatments and interventions for conditions like diabetes, depression, and more. You mean diabetes? Yes. <laughs> uh, already available in-game, players can now access a new arcade terminal in Dr. Tannis's lab in Sanctuary. This terminal is home to a series of block puzzles, think Tetris meets Match 3, which are based on DNA strands pulled from the aforementioned microbes. Our current understanding of these DNA strands is flawed due to errors caused by the quantity of data that needs analyzing. And by having players solve these block puzzles... The Borderlands Science Board is hoping to identify those errors. Quote, colored tiles representing different nucleotides appear on a grid. By nudging them up within their columns, you attempt to organize them into correct rows. Gearbox clarifies, it's not always possible to line up all the tiles correctly, but attempting these puzzles is helpful as you're identifying errors in real-world computer analysis. Unquote. Each puzzle has a target score that you'll need to reach in order to earn credit for solving it, but you can continue fiddling with the puzzles even after hitting their targets in order to contribute more gut data. Uh, by solving multiple puzzles, you earn currency, which you can spend on cosmetics for your Vault Hunter, as well as timed boosters that buff your stats, loot quality and experience gains. Uh, so yeah, that was added to Borderlands. Cool. And uh, so I, before the show, I went on and played it for a while, and I got to say, um, it was hard to leave. It's a little addictive little puzzle game. And especially, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not complex, but it, is, uh, it does involve some, uh, some thinking to get those things right. Uh, but entertaining, through and through. And they hired all the voice actors to reprise players that you're playing against, uh, the characters within Borderlands. So it keeps that part of it entertaining as well hmm. uh but once i started yeah i, I just kept playing because one it's fun and two it's kind of weird to know that you're actual doing help computational help for this and analytical help so it feels good to play that game nice so if you have borderlands 3 definitely check it out it's it's worthwhile and it's uh for a worthwhile cause apparently so I, I love that kind of stuff. I remember there was one, uh, I think it was Zoom or something like that, Zoom something, uh, that had all these different things that you could help scientists with all right. their Right, I remember data. you talking about that years ago. Yeah, I, I, the one I enjoyed doing was looking at pictures of ocean floor and identifying kinds of uh, sea life on there that they were trying to study. So they could oh, see wow. where, which one had what kind of sea life and where it wow. was settled. And you just do one picture after another. It's was, it was a little, little find and search. So it, wow. was, it was fun. It was easy. Yeah. And you were helpful. Grinding and yeah. looking for herbs. That's, that's <laughs> Torgo's wheelhouse. Completely. Yep. Completely. Yeah. Pick them plants, people. My goodness. What's your plant to pick? Write to us. Comments at UglyCountShow.com. All the weeds in my backyard. Yeah, really. <laughs> until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Tender K. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully. That's right. And Andy will talk to you, too. That's right. Andy I'm will sure. put in his four cents. Yes. Poor dear. He'll talk to you through us because he'll message us and say, why am I being uh, left out again? Yeah. And it's really funny because you know what? He probably is even behind listening on podcasts. Ah. Probably isn't even current. Um, 
have you uh, been picking up anything about comic books and comic book stores and everything like that since the Diamond announcement? Uh, not a whole lot. Okay. I, I do know that there is a online component kind of monitoring what comic books are, what were supposed to be released each week so that you can catch up, hopefully, when time comes around. Yeah. But, it, 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 it's interesting because uh, there's, there's a huge amount of schadenfreude from the, the right-wing circuit who are just uh, happy about woke uh, comics and and comic book stores and stuff failing because they're alienating the the real <laughs> fans with all their social <laughs> justice stuff and so this is this is you know this is all well deserved and good stuff. Yeah, that's well, that's how the uh, I mean, if going to get political, minds will be at the end of the show. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so so those who don't like it, sayonara. Um, yeah. Again, with with the, this administration and and this new conservatism, can't even really call it conservatism anymore. It's yeah. Trumpism. It's a whole new thing. Yeah, like um, actual conservatives don't even like yeah. these people. <laughs> uh, but uh, but with these people, cruelty is the point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like you, therefore I want bad things to happen to you. That is the whole political message I see from this group of people. That and the whole we represent everybody but you. You know, yeah. and it's sort of like it's like talking to you directly, you know, so it's like I, I'm, I'm literally saying to you, Todd, I represent me and Jeff. I just don't <laughs> represent you. And, you know, you, yeah. you got to get used to that because that, that whole it's like the Star Wars true fan thing. Right. right. Oh, they're alienating. They're offending fans. It's like I haven't gotten offended yeah. at shit. And, and everybody's running around talking about how fans are offended. And it's like it's the same it's the same demographic age bracket of white boy yeah. who's doing this bitching, you know, where everyone else around them is enjoying themselves. And I was just, but but they're constantly talking about Marvel DC because there's a lot of talk about Marvel and DC actually imploding. DC uh, uh, maybe looking at bankruptcy and stuff like oh, that. God. The one that I saw was that Marvel is going to buy DC. That, and I'm like, wouldn't uh, that be Fucking interesting, though, if yeah. that happened. <laughs> Boy, would that be some fucking... Uh, all of a sudden, Amalgam Comics become canon. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dark Claw gets his own series. Dark Claw, the animated series, you know? But it, it, it's just it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole thing is in flux right now. So I, I see Ralph posting and... Whatever he's posting about, he's not posting about failing. He's not posting about, you know, alternate reality is about to go or anything like that. So I truly salute him for, for his positivity and sticking yeah. with it. Because uh, I think, I'm not even sure if he's doing curbside anymore. I, I, think, I think he's now mailing oh, wow. people's stuff to them. I was going to say, the last time I drove by that area... It didn't look like he was open at all. Yeah, like not even doing curbside. Yeah, so. he, he was like, you know, tell me from your pull bucks what you want sent to you. We'll arrange payment and I'll send it. I asked him about a Knights of the Dinner Table that I was missing, and he's like, yeah, I got it here, Kirsten. It would cost five dollars to mail to you, so I'll hold on to it. Don't worry about it. Which was nice of him, but it, and, and and he was just, it wasn't even like come here and get it. I'll run it out to the curb. It was like, well, too, it's ridiculous for me to mail this, so just don't worry about it right now. So, so he's, but he's holding together somehow. Um, but I was just, I was just curious because it definitely is, is, I mean, the comic books 
were just holding on by you know a couple sure. a couple uh, a pubic hairs. <laughs> I mean, they they were just you know, holding on barely, and uh, the, the IP, the money, is all in the movies and uh, and merch. Sure. So I was just curious if you'd seen anything logical. No, because my my because. Uh, God damn it. A couple of years ago, I had the misfortune of researching a couple of weird ass things. And so now the YouTube algorithm, every once in a while, puts up right wing douchebag, you know, screaming about something. And it's just like, ah. Oh. Well, you can go clear your history and then that'll. Yeah, but essentially, you want to clear all reset. your history. You want some, yeah, some of that stuff. I know. Because I've done that. I've cleared my history. And then there's shit I can't find because my history got cleared. And it's like. Well, just be aware you know. that YouTube also pulls from your Google search history, too. Yeah, so if you fuckers. if you ever like read an article that somebody sends you and you're like, God damn it, this yeah. is so full of. So if, if I'm ever researching yeah. some of our crazy right wing friends shit, I'm, I'm, I'm polluting myself already. Yep. That <laughs> is what happens. Yeah. yeah. Take care of yourselves, people. <laughs> be be kind to your fellow 1. man. One point five meters, motherfucker. No, no, no. Be excellent to each other. Thank you, thank you, Jeff. Said well, Jeff. Said very well. Whoa. And party on, dudes. Okay, not not said as well, but sure. I know kung fu.